3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. All right, Warriors fans, let's go. The Warriors final series is now even at one apiece as the Dubs crushed the Celtics last night at the Chase Center. That third quarter was a thing of beauty that I saw from way up, way up in the rafters. And it now means we can all breathe a bit easier, but there's still a lot of games left to play and a championship still to win. So we're gonna take this moment to talk about the finals, the long arc of the Warriors franchise, and the role the team plays here in the Bay Area. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Okay, here is the setup. The first half of Game 2 of the NBA Finals had been a slugfest. Tense, difficult, sweaty as a fan. The Warriors cracked it open in the third with 14 from Steph Curry. Young guard Jordan Poole had not played well. But then he came in with just a couple minutes left in the third, got an assist, hit a three. Suddenly, the Warriors were up 20. With the few seconds in the third quarter ticking down, Poole trots up the floor, and this happens. Golden State has a lot of time. Pull with
4: the ball. Launches. Oh! Money!
3: That shot from the logo. It was so long. Put the Celtics to bed early. Gave me renewed hope for this championship. All of Chase Center celebrated wildly best moment of the game. Then slumped into our chairs. I'll admit it, I loved Oracle, also known back in the day as the Oakland Coliseum, and I thought that when the Warriors left, they might be cursed. It looked that way for a while, too. Both Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson suffered career-jeopardizing injuries, and we suffered through two hapless seasons. But now, as Draymond Green put it after the Warriors won the conference finals, we're back. We're back as a great team, back in the playoffs, back in the finals. The Warriors are not back in Oakland, of course, they're in the new Chase Center, nestled amidst the massive new developments on the southeastern waterfront, stretching down from Soma and the Giant stadium. Can they cement their dynasty with another championship and maybe even another one after that in the next couple of years? To talk all things Dubs this hour, we're joined by Ann Killian, San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist. Welcome.
2: Thanks for having me.
3: So... Set us up for those who are just kind of tuning in. Where do we really stand? Like, where, what does this NBA final series look like?
2: Well, it looks dead even. Um, and it looks mm. like it's going to be a, a long one. Um, you know, this is a really good opponent, Boston. It's probably the best opponent that the Warriors have ever faced in the finals. No offense to LeBron, but mm. they're, they're um, it's a more complete team, I think. Um, it's a young team. It's a hungry team. Um while the Celtics are have, these guys have not played in an NBA finals. Um, they have been to the Eastern Conference uh, finals many, t- a few times in a row. And so they're hungry and this is their chance. Um, I I predict uh, it's going to go seven. Um, I, I predicted that at the beginning that it would go seven. And, you know, I predict the Warriors would win because they will have the seventh game at, game at home. But I think it's, I think it's a great series. I think the first two games have shown that, that it's, um, you know, these teams are really going to battle each other and, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun June.
3: Yeah. You know, let's talk a little bit about the playoff run that the Warriors had. I think we can write off the first series against the Denver Nuggets. But then we get into when they played the Memphis Grizzlies, another young, hungry team in the sort of basketball parlance of our times. So they're very long. You know, they're, that means they're tall. They have long arms. Um, and that was the team that scared me most of, of any team in the NBA this year. Um, what do you think how, – how do you think the Warriors came through that Memphis Grizzlies series? Like, what did you learn about the Warriors from that series?
2: Well, I mean – It was a real, it was an interesting series because Memphis um, and Memphis matches up well with the Warriors. And traditionally they have, even though this version of the Memphis Grizzlies is different than the version that we saw in 2015, that won two games in a row against uh, a young Steph Curry and, and company um, on their first playoff run. But this Memphis team, I mean, John Moran is one of the, um, you know, great young talents in the league and, uh, and was, you know kind of dazzling and then got hurt and in some ways when he got hurt it actually made it a tougher matchup for the Warriors in terms of the way they played defensively and the way they protected the rim um which we saw when the Warriors got blown out but I I don't know you know I mean I, I don't know that we learned anything different about the Warriors than what we already knew I mean this is a team that um You know, some of it's young, some of it's old and super experienced. And it's just an interesting blend, Um, you know, and it's and it's really Steph centric, whereas, you know, we in the Bay Area, of course, we know it's it's always been Steph centric. Right. It's it's always Mm -hmm. about Steph. But but don't forget that in those three years, um, the last three times they went to the finals, to the rest of the country, to the nation, it was a Kevin Durant team. Um, and so, you know, Steph doesn't have, there's not that, that, you know, one of the most talented players on the planet option on the wing. Um, Clay is erratic. He hasn't, you know, found. Clearly his not
3: team. all the way back from his really two brutal injuries.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, you missed two and a half years of, of um, not, not just of games, but of, you know, you're basically on your couch for two and a half years um, trying to rehab So his erratic play, um, sometimes he looks brilliant and back, and sometimes he struggles like he did last night. So anyway, my point is there's not really, um, you know, the burden is more on Steph now at the age of 34 than it was earlier. And I think that makes for a very interesting dynamic. Um, You know, Jordan Poole had the shot last night that brought (laughs) down the house. Um, He's been brilliant at times during the playoffs. And then kind of vanished at times. He's, he's a very young Or player. worse than
3: vanished, you know, kind of gotten sped up and, and I, yeah, the word you used erratic for, for clay, I think, you know, works for Jordan pool too.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it's a super interesting um, run. And, you know, I think a lot of us who know this team really well kind of view experience and, um savviness as the factor that will ultimately win out um just which I think is what we saw last night um you know the 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 Warriors were shell-shocked after game one when they did something that we really never see them do which is have a 15-point lead and then collapse in the fourth quarter and they know they knew how to respond you know they they really did and and that comes from playing so many playoff games over the years. Um, and Steph and Draymond definitely set the tone uh, together. And so I, I think, um, you know, I mean, it's it's just a, it's an interesting team. It's a very different team, a very different journey than what we we saw uh, during the dynasty years. Absolutely.
3: We're talking about the Warriors with San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist and Killian. And we want to invite you into this Conversation, I have been wearing a gold-blooded shirt that I got against uh, Memphis for every Warriors game. That's my current Warriors basketball watching superstition. I've taken off the Draymond Green jersey I wore for years. I've got this new shirt on. And so we'd love to hear from you. What's your Warriors basketball-watching superstition? It can it can be silly. In fact, it probably should be. That's why it's a superstition. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You could also call us and share your favorite Warriors memory, either from the dynastic years here or in the before-Steph era. Uh, you can get in touch Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's KQED Forum. Or you can email your superstition or your memory to forum at kqed.org. The Warriors have now been to the finals six of the past eight years, one of the only teams to have ever done that. But this team, as you noted, is quite different from the previous Warriors iterations. For people who are kind of coming back to the Warriors after a couple of down years, who are the new players to kind of keep an eye on?
2: Um, Well, Jordan Poole, as as we mentioned, um, you know, he was the 28th pick, um, in 2019. Um, and you know, he, he was in the G league. A lot of people thought he was going to be a bust. This guy can't play in the NBA and he really has come into his own and, and, um, he had a, a really great year. He's, he's kind of in the mold of a Steph Curry in some ways. Um, he's a playmaker, he's a shooter. Um, he reminds me of Steph, uh,
3: Baby stuff. Young... <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Baby stuff reminds you of baby hey, stuff. Yeah,
2: young stuff. In that he can be muscled around, and and he spends a little too much time on the floor, um, and that's been a problem. You know, teams that go at him. Um, the NBA playoffs, uh, which I don't know if a lot of um, casual fans know, are just they're called differently by the officials. They're way more physical than the regular season. Guy, you know, seven game series they teams know where to target they beat each other up as we saw last night was super physical so teams are going at jordan pool and he's he's feeling the effects a little bit um but um in terms of the other players andrew wiggins is a wonderful story um he uh you know a lot of people here have mixed feelings about kevin durant leaving but one of the things that kevin durant did when he left was he allowed the 40 rather than just walk out the door he allowed what's called a sign and trade and so he gave the uh warriors a slot which they um used to draft to to trade for d'angelo russell and then they traded him to minnesota for ultimately that that gift from kevin durant came uh, turned into Andrew Wiggins and Wiggins was was a former number one pick, considered a huge bust in Minnesota and um, has just been a great player here. Uh, very complimentary, um, kind of filled the Durant role. Really great defender, has had the the job of defending um, this run of really great players that that the Warriors have faced uh, in Luke each Ketanjic, run of playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Wiggins has, has been great, very complimentary. Um, you know, I think he's more comfortable in this role as opposed to being in Minnesota where he was the focus. Um, you know, he, he, it's the, the Warriors are a collaborative team that revolves around Steph Curry. And that's the kind of thing that eventually Kevin Durant got tired of. Um, but I, I think it fits Wiggins personality. He doesn't necessarily want to be the guy in all the press conferences answering all the questions that with all the focus on him. So he's, he's really been great. And then, um, you know, there's clay and Draymond and Steph and Kavon Looney, who we know mm-hmm. well, there's a couple of young players like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kamingo on the bench that, um, you know, have, have been, have been good. So there's, you know, it's, 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 some of our super familiar, but there is a new cast of characters that people who haven't been around all season or the last two seasons are just getting to know.
5: Yeah.
3: We're talking about the Warriors, evened up the series with the Celtics yesterday. We'd love to hear from you, what's your favorite Warrior's memory, either from this run or in the pre-Steph, pre-Lacob, pre draymond Green era, you can give us a call, 866-733-6786. Also, what's your prediction for the series out there? The number is 866-733-6786. Get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQD Forum, or email your predictions, superstitions, memories to forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Warriors, your Golden State Warriors, with San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist and Killian and all of you, of course. Let's bring in our first caller, Michael from Rodeo. Welcome.
5: Good morning. I uh, have some ancient history about the San Francisco Warriors. Back in 1964, they played in the Richmond Auditorium, which was barely the size of a high school gym and 1,600 fans showed up to watch the game and they were playing against Boston Celtics
3: oh man I mean kind of hard to imagine seeing what Chase Center is now the Warriors even it's hard to imagine the game the NBA game back then when did you become a fan Michael
5: Well, I was in the seventh grade, and uh, our boys' club was there. We were handing out cows to the professional team. Bill Russell from Oakland High School was with the Celtics, and Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain was with the San Francisco Warriors, and then they moved on to the uh, Palace of Fine Cows. (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> oh, <man.
5: laughs> also bill russell
3: shout out to mcclyman's high school in oakland has produced some amazing athletes and of course um you know bill russell may be the, the greatest of them all um thank you so much for that uh warriors memory i actually didn't know that did you know that Ann that they played in the richmond auditorium
2: i did not know that no i knew that russell and Wilt played against each other in the playoffs but um no i did not know they played in a tiny little auditorium in, in richmond so I have no
4: idea <laughs>
3: That's great. Thank you for that, Michael. Um, I'll share a memory for my friend Kennedy, who grew up going to Warriors games in the 1980s. uh, And he was telling me yesterday how he used to buy tickets for $5 and then just drift down as the game went on until they were... Oftentimes sitting courtside or close to it during those nineteen eighties games at what was then the the Oakland Coliseum. Do you have a they favorite? Would,
2: they would drift down along with all the weed smoke that was <laughs> coming from the, the upper levels.
3: <laughs> exactly, just like a like a human contact high of excitement at being at a run TMC game. And do you have a uh, a favorite pre Steph memory? Um. Well,
2: you know, I. I i've covered this team for a long time so um you know it's uh i have a a childhood memory of seeing rick berry a a friend of mine um her dad took us all to a warriors game a rick berry warriors game when we were in grade school which i thought was the greatest birthday party of all time it sure beat like going ice skating or something (laughs) um it might have been like where i decided hey this looks like a fun thing to do for a living but um I, um, you know, I, I, I started covering the team around the TMC time. And, you know, I just Raymond Ritter, the PR guy for the Warriors, mm-hmm. is the greatest PR guy in the business. Really of any sport. Yeah. Um, And he, you know, he used to joke with me, you know, like I'd be there at opening night. This is after TMC. Um, and then he'd say, I'll see you uh, at the final game. Because there was no reason to come in between. It was just the same story day in, day out, night in, night out. They were, I mean, that's the thing of all these newly minted Warriors fans, which I must say, you you sound like you might be one. Um, But there is just, this still seems kind of amazing because there was just decades of just worthless, unwatchable basketball for the most part. And so... It's still I still look at it with kind of eyes like I can't, I still can't believe these are the Warriors, really, even though now it's been a decade.
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, I came into the fandom as an adult when I moved to the Bay, um, but I missed the the truly hapless years. You know, uh, more <laughs> like Baron Davis era. I was a huge uh, UCLA fan because my dad went to UCLA. And so, yeah, Bill Bruins. Yeah, that was so. That was kind of like when I I started. But even even some of those years were, were a little rough. Um, well, they were well, a
2: mess. They were they had no direction. They you know this whole Nelly coming back, Nelly leaving. Um, you know, it's just it. They didn't seem like a team with a a real plan. And and then you know Joe Lakeup bought the team with big ambitions, and he hired Bob Myers, and suddenly things started to head in the right direction, but they had something in place when they came on board with all their great plans and vision. And that was Steph Curry. He was already, in, they had already drafted him. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is one of like, when people say, oh, look at what the Warriors have done. Well, they, they got the most unique um, player in possibly in NBA history to build their franchise around.
3: Although I will say this, Steph had been injured a ton. He had all the chronic ankle problems that that people, uh, Warriors fans at least, are well acquainted with. And they committed to him even through those those injuries, which turned out to be one of the greatest uh, sports business deals of all time because they got him at such a huge discount as he was blossoming into a superstar. Let's get to some um, superstitions here. I love these. Uh, Anna in Union City, welcome. Hi. Hey, what's your superstition?
7: Superstition. So, during the game, uh, whenever the Warriors play, I do not wear any Warrior gear, and I do not comment on any social media posts. I don't post about them throughout the entire, entire day until they have finished the game.
3: <laughs> you take a social media <laughs> vow of silence, basically, until the Warriors game is over.
7: Yes, Exactly. And then I post away. When they win, I post. When they, you know, if they lose, then I I do post something, but it's still very supportive of our devs. Yeah.
3: So what happens, though? Here's where a superstition gets challenged, though. What happens if things are going terribly? Then do you think, like, i got to change things up?
7: Well, so my husband and I, whenever we watch the game from home, we will sit in different locations. And if we sit at a certain spot on the couch for example and they're winning we do not move
3: you can't move we don't get
7: up you know, we no can't bathroom move. breaks so, like you know no bathroom breaks until it's like either halftime or it's a commercial break we do we do not move at all from our spot and then we start to pray
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I learned this from my dad. We'd be watching games, you know, back then it was UCLA basketball games, and it would be the same thing. Like, he'd be like, wait, no, don't move. And I'd be like, I wasn't moving. What are you talking about? I know things are going well, Dad. Um, Anna, thank you so much uh, for that. You sound like exactly my kind of fan. Uh, we are getting your Warriors basketball watching superstitions. You can give us a call at 866 733 6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also just call us and give us your prediction for the series or tell us how you think things are going. Again, the number's eight six six-seven three three-six seven eight six. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's KQD Forum. And you can email your questions to forum at KQED.org. Let's get another superstition in here. And um Peter and Livermore.
5: Yes. Um, i uh i started watching the uh, first game with the uh the t shirt that said strength and numbers from the two thousand eighteen time mm-hmm. and also the two thousand and eighteen finals hat uh where they won they won four in a row and i saw them at the first time in my life in at oracle and uh and then i went back to oracle and watched them on the on the jumbotron, so it's uh, it's an important hat. And then I, I took out the uh, the t-shirt with strength and umbers, and uh, it didn't work the first game, but it worked last night, so I'm happy. <laughs>
3: um, Peter, here's a question on the t-shirt. I think this is a crucial superstition question. Do you wash it if they won? I haven't washed it at all ever. <laughs> That's the way. That is the way. Yeah, um, I absolutely. totally agree with that, and I apologize to everyone who knows me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter. That is, that is. What's your prediction for the series, Peter? Before we let you go.
5: Oh, we're, we're definitely going to win. The uh, we're going to. It's going to go seven, just like uh, Anne was saying. The lady said, and, yeah. "Yeah, as Anne said, and uh, and I think it's it's going to be ours. So that's it. That's my yeah. prediction.
3: Thank you so much for that, uh, Peter. And I want to talk about uh, something a little different. Uh, I want to talk about Steve Kerr, both, you know, Mm -hmm. as a basketball coach uh, and and just as a thoughtful representative of the Bay Area. I mean, we played his comments on gun violence on the air just because it seemed like the single best statement of the frustration and anger of a lot of the people in the Bay Area. Can you tell us about how you see Steve Kerr? I mean, I'm sure you've interviewed him a bunch of times. And what what do you think the imprint he's left on this organization is?
2: Well, Steve's one of my favorite people um, that I've ever dealt with in my very long career. Um, Yeah. And I know him well. Um, I think he's leaving an imprint, not on the, just on the Bay Area. I think he's leaving an imprint on the nation um, with his thoughts on gun violence. And I would agree with you what he said. I was, I was there in Dallas and, you know, we, we know sadly when something like this happens um, we know that Steve's going to have something to say because it's, you know, he's been passionate about this, issue for his entire life, having lost his father to an assassination, um, when he was just a freshman in college. Um, and, um, you know, it was very, very, I mean, most of us in the room, um, were brought to tears, um, with his, uh, pure and righteous rage, um, and his words. And, um, I think he got so much play because he did speak from the heart, um, he spoke out of, you know, like I said, righteous anger and 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 experience um, when he said, you know, think of if this was one of your loved ones, because he's lived that. That's that was his father. And it shaped his life, you know, as a young man and, and beyond. Um, and and so I think the reason that he was all over the you know, national news and the world news and the BBC and everything was because he was one of the few people who articulated it without, you know, the verbiage and the cliches and the thoughts and prayers and all the stuff that, that, um, we hear and we're getting numb to he and what he said wasn't numbing. It was, it was, it was piercing. Um, he's a very, he's a perfect fit, um, for the Bay area in that he's got perspective. You know, we, we, um, one of the reasons I love working here in my native land, um, is that people have a, have, um, you know, perspective on sports, rabid fans, but not crazy, um, as they are in some places, um, and, and kind of keep things in perspective. And I think Steve's, um, a perfect fit for that. Uh, he's, you know, super smart. Um, he's, he's very funny. He's very sarcastic. He's, easygoing um he's not uh pretentious or self-absorbed um so i i i love him i love dealing with him um he sets a tone for that organization um he's a great face for the organization and um you know at some point he's going to uh be tired of doing this and retire, and I'll be sad because I really he's he's um, he's provocative, interesting, fun, great to deal with.
3: You know, and I a got hell you. of a
2: basketball coach, let and me a tell hell you of a basketball
3: coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I got to interview him one time for City Arts and Lectures, and um, one of the things that I found so interesting is sort of the the delta between what he was like backstage and what he was like on stage was like zero. It was just like the same person back there, and and out on stage, which isn't always true, particularly of people who've had to deal with the media a million times, have been interviewed a million times. Um, he was just absolutely even through the through that whole experience.
2: Right, and, and he is. He's very. There's no. There's no pretense, and you know what? To be honest, it's one of the reasons I like dealing with this this organization. There's very little pretense with mm-hmm. any of them. Bob Myers is very yeah. much same way. Steph is very much the same way. Uh, Draymond and clay, like people are kind of real. There's a realness about them, a relatability that I think, um, you know, translates, um, especially in this era of super fame and, and, you know, social media and posing and everything else. They're all kind of who they are. Like what you see is what you get with with Mm -hmm. this group. And, um, that's, that's refreshing.
3: Yeah. So I want to talk, uh, One bit as we uh, end this uh, break here, what we think about the Warriors strategy of going young while sticking with the core strategy, right? So just to set it up for people out there, you know, we have this dynastic core, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and, you know, to a a lesser extent, Kevon Looney and Andre Iguodala, you know, are are holdovers, this core of this team. And you could say, okay, put a bunch of good veterans around them, trade away your draft picks and build the best possible team for a championship run. Uh, but you kind of might sacrifice the future. Instead, the Warriors drafted a couple of teenagers, actually three teenagers in a row, James Wiseman, Kaminga, and and also uh, Moses Moody. And when we think about that strategy, it, it actually hasn't really worked in the past uh, for other teams. Maybe the Spurs have been able to, to do that. Um, what do you think about this strategy? I mean, is this kind of run to the finals, proving out what the you know, the Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors was saying could happen.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it, what they're trying to do is the hardest thing to do in sports, which is keep your core and and, and grow for the future at the same time. I mean, it, it really is a very tricky, tightrope to walk. And it was Bob Myers and very much Joe Lakup. If you listen to him in recent comments, um, you know, he was insistent that they were going to draft and try and, you know, get young players that could extend into the future, and, you know, it, it, a lot of it has to do with Steph, who is not a guy who's demanding and saying, get me this guy, get me this guy. Um, and the, the kind of the interesting thing about especially about this matchup is, you know, all these all these uh, uh, super teams that that stars have tried to put together on their own, be it LeBron, be it uh, the Clippers with Kawhi, be it the, the Nets. Um, with Durant and Kyrie, um, they, they haven't succeeded. In fact, uh, you know, the Lakers had one of the worst seasons ever um, and, and have really just bankrupted their future trying to get stars around LeBron. Um, and, and it's interesting that this matchup is between the two teams that Durant and Kyrie Irving left mm-hmm. um, to, join their, to create their super team. And here are the Warriors and the Celtics in the finals with mostly um, homegrown, home drafted um, stars and really grow, you know, growing it from inside instead of trying to create a super team. So I think, I think this matchup has other teams around the league going, you know what, you know, this is, (laughs) that's the way we really like to do it. Um, We'll see if it works. Um, I think, I think a lot of it starts and ends with Steph um, because he's so different from other superstars Mm -hmm. in that, he is not demanding, go get me that guy, go get me this guy. And he's willing to work with young players. And we, you know, it, it in that way, you know, back 20 years ago, the the Giants used to try and surround Barry Bonds with veterans, with veterans, with veterans. And it never really worked because it it wasn't um, a homegrown strategy and they weren't drafting well, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, I mean, I think this is, an interesting way to go. It's also a way more satisfying way to go for fans because you keep your guys, mm-hmm. you know, you have new faces that you glom onto. They're not, people aren't rotating in and out or just coming for the money or for one year. So I think it's, um, I, I mean, I I enjoy this this strategy and we're going to find out if it works, but it is yeah. a very hard thing to do.
3: I am very, very, very high on Moses Moody. I feel like next year he's like a, a major contributor. to. The oh my Bears. gosh, and, and you him.
2: know what? I, I can't believe he's 19, he, or I yeah. guess he just turned 20 last week, but, but he's very composed, um, funny, kind of, you know, confident. Um, he comes across, I just, you know, I, I, my children are way past the age of 19 and I just think, look at these guys and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're these young men on this stage and yeah. the way they handle it, it's pretty amazing.
3: We're talking about the Warriors with San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist Ann Killian. Love to hear from you What about your favorite Warriors' memories. Predictions for this series the number is 866 733 6786. That's 866 733 6786. Of course, you can also call us and tell us your superstition. The number is 866 733 6786, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQD Forum and wanted to just uh, get to a couple of comments. Noel tweets, I remember Rick Barry's free throw technique back in the 1975 championship year. Also in the 1960s, the Warriors played in different arenas till Oakland Arena was built. Another listener writes, my first Warriors game was courtside in 1990 when a courtside seat was $35. I'm Alexis Madrigal, stay tuned for more Forum after
0: the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera,
3: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Warriors with San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist Anne Killian, who thinks I am a fair-weather new Warriors fan. Thanks, Ann.
2: <laughs> I didn't say fair-weather. I said new <laughs> fan. I said a dynasty fan.
3: <laughs> a lucky fan. Pre-dynasty, but still lucky nonetheless. Um, we can't all have been lucky enough to grow up in Marin County. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> um, so... Uh, We have some great uh, comments coming in from listeners. Um, Before the dynasty years began, they were scrappy underdogs, listener, right? So was the arena. So were the fans to some degree. Now the team is a dynasty. The arena is slick. The fans circling the court are Silicon Valley titans. The cost of tickets is out of reach for most people. The Warriors are the perfect metaphor for life in the Bay Area. And I can't help thinking, looking at all that development, about, like, the owners of the land where Chase Center uh, is, you I know, mean, it had belonged to the railroads. Then it became a piece of this big railroad real estate development company, uh, catellus which was sold to then San Francisco logistics real estate firm Prologis, then back to a private equity firm. Now you've got the Warriors and UCSF. I just feels like you, as this listener is saying, you could trace a whole trajectory of San Francisco and the Bay Area just on the land under Chase Center.
2: You probably could. I, I, I mean, the, the the Bay Area has changed a great deal in in the past twenty five years, and um, and the Warriors are changing right along with it. I will say, however, um, you know, chase a, a lot of old time fans, quote unquote, um, you know, want to say, oh, we're priced out and da, 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 and you know, it's awful now. But you know, if you were at Oracle in the Durant years, you were already priced out. Um, you know, if to to get in there. You had to have a lot of money. It was already, you know, the place to see and be seen. Um, and um, so I don't, I don't know that the crowd inside of Chase is that different than the crowd inside of Oracle in 2019 was. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs a lot of money to get into Chase. I mean, I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that, you know, someone just said they had a courtside seat for $35. Well, those courtside seats last night were going for $35,000, I heard. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not kidding. I like yeah. that on the, on the resale market. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's. but I, I will say that I'm I've been pleasantly surprised by the vibe in um, Chase in this first playoff run, you know, that they it had never hosted playoffs before. People weren't sure what it was going to be like. And it's been, it's been loud. It's been rocking. The one thing I would say is get in your seat, get your $35,000 seats after uh, halftime. because yes. the, the, the third quarter emptiness is such a bad look. And it's just, um, I, yeah and we all know what the warriors do in the third quarter so keep your seat to watch <laughs> that part if you have yeah. to leave early you know maybe the game will be over like it was last night midway through the fourth but but don't miss the third quarter people
3: you know it's an it's an interesting thing it has something to do with the way that the actual arena has been designed to like if you the, the not courtside seats but right above people can kind of go into these bunkers that are inside yeah, under, the arena and yeah. so they're they have their own little private rooms and there's like screens in there and i think people just kind of are you know busy drinking and eating and then they forget to come out but it's it is kind of brutal to see um, one other before we get back to the phones cuz we have a lot of calls coming in um, one other crazy warriors business stat this is from sports business journal sources say this is a quote sources say that uh, the Warriors are projected to generate more than $800 million in total revenue and NBA record during the 2021-22 20, season. Yeah. That's a 50% increase since the 2018-2019 season, the final for the team at Oracle Arena. To me, that is absolutely bomb. That, okay. that, that's uh,
2: eye-popping. And I guess that's a function of of Chase, you know, and what it costs uh, to, to attend a game and eat and drink and everything else.
3: Totally. We have a... Uh, a very funny warrior's memory. Don in Fremont. Welcome to the show.
5: Uh, thank you very
4: much. Yeah, What's I, your warrior's memory? I was a yeah. diver in Africa, USA. We had dolphins. And one of the dolphins swallowed a bolt, which, of course, could kill him unless we got it out. So we caught the dolphin, put him on a table. I held his tail still. The vet stuck his arm down the dolphin's throat, but he could not get the bolt. But we knew one of the Golden State Warriors, a gigantic man named Clifford Ray. He came out. <laughs> Stuck his long, long, long arm down the dolphin's throat, found the bolt, pulled it out, saved the dolphin's life, and became a rain world hero. Oh,
3: my God. A new use for length. This is why you need long basketball players. That is incredible. (laughs) Biggie was
4: up close. They're they're giants.
2: (laughs) Uh, That is a great story.
3: That it really is. Uh, Don, what's your prediction for the series?
4: Oh, we're just going to win. That's all
3: okay good all right I like it right I like a, how about a warriors in five take that would be <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much Don uh, for that let's get to uh Sam in Roner Park welcome Sam
4: hi thanks for having me long time member oh great thank you and um, a huge fan my um, superstition is I have um, a lot of different kind of Warriors gear that I've gotten over the years. And if I wear something um, one game and they lose, I just won't wear it for the entire series. I'm not going to get rid of it. but It goes um, to the back of the closet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, I also wanted to talk um, about uh, one of my favorite players that they acquired, and that's uh, CP2. Uh, Gary Payton. In the second- yeah. I love that guy. I just, he, you know, to use another sports analogy, he punches so high above, you know, far above his weight. Um, he defends uh, bigger, much bigger players and has no fear. And I love his energy. And along with Tominga and, you know, with, you know, all the, the young players that they brought in, uh, he's not young it, in, as such, but no, exactly. uh, he's really found really found a home here. And I think that's true of Wiggins. And I think it speaks to the culture of the Warriors that these people who were basically cast aside by other teams really find a home here and blossom. Yeah. And Gary Payton II, for those
3: who haven't seen him, is just an unbelievable athlete. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the NBA, NBA basketball players, are the greatest athletes in the world. I don't care what any of the soccer players say. They are the best athletes in the world. And you watch Gary Payton. You're like, Oh, and that guy's better. <laughs> um, right, you- but he
2: couldn't find a place in the league. And yeah. so the Warriors gave him a chance. And he's such a great story. And I think like last night when he came into the game, that was one of the loudest ovations I've ever heard. And, you know, it's for this guy who, you know, bounced around The league, um, you know, in and out, didn't have a place, finally got signed by the Warriors at the last, you know, last last hour because Steph had said, you got to sign this guy. He shuts me down in practice all the time. And, And then, of course, he, you know, finally gets to the playoffs and breaks his elbow. And five weeks later, here he is in a game and just, you know draining the three and playing defense and, uh, hitting the ground. I think everyone almost had a heart attack, but, um, he's, he's, it's truly a great story.
3: Really one of the best stories. Um, couple uh, fun comments Chris uh, tweets I don't slash can't watch or they will lose every game I have watched they have lost that curse has never broken so out of love for the Warriors and dub nation I bask in their joy (laughs) not even my luckiest dirtiest socks baseball dedicated probably can change that Uh, go Warriors Tom writes we often talk about the impact of cheering fans on the game we even cheer when we're watching at home my question is does it help to cheer at home if you're watching or tape delay hours after the game is over absolutely time is flat circle tom that's the answer to that question you got to be cheering uh, and peter writes a good friend has been a warriors fan for decades but every time he watches a finals game live the warriors start losing he turned on game one in the fourth quarter for example thanks a lot friend um so he's taking one for the team and avoiding watching until after the game last night so far so good um let's get a one other superstition here tom in pleasanton hello hey
5: tom how are
3: you? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Um, What's your superstition?
5: Okay, well, I've got a number of them, but I'll, I'll distill it down to probably the quirkiest stuff. While, I, while I'm wearing a Steph Curry t-shirt and Warriors pajamas, <laughs> I have to watch, I have to make sure that I am paying attention when Wiggins comes to the foul line because I have to, because he often misses the first foul shot. And if I'm not paying attention and actually mimicking what he's doing in real time, His three bounces, his hesitation, and then his shot, it won't go in. But every time I do it, he makes it. So uh, if he misses, it's my fault. I feel bad. We're going to come and find you.
3: (laughs) Yes, Tom, on behalf of Dub Nation, thank you for your service. We appreciate (laughs) it.
5: I'm hanging in there. Go Dubs.
3: Go Dubs. Um, Let's get uh, one more memory in here, too, Ed. Uh, Stanley in San Francisco.
5: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, my favorite memory is basically the J.R. Smith misplay in the 2018 series when LeBron had 51 points and he blew it all away. I, I still can't even, like, put my head around what was going on in his mind, but anytime I'm having a bad day, I just remind myself, like, J.R. Smith had the worst day of his life that day. I think. You know, oh,
2: when I think of that, I just start laughing. That it was one. Of, that was one of the weirdest things I ever saw. That was
3: very it funny. It Really was. I. I mean, yes. I also think Stanley, you're uh, a person who's like I. I. I don't have to just win. You have to lose. <laughs> I like that as a. Uh, uh, as as a mode of sports fandom. Um, we have a couple of great uh, comments here before we uh, throw to pledge for a minute here. Um, Joel writes, "I've been a lifelong Warriors fan." My wife introduced me to my stepson at a Warriors game, and our love of basketball has helped us bond for years. We talk about every aspect of the game and the business. It's not really a superstition, but I like to be connected to him during the games more than anything else. Win or lose, they've organically created something much greater than just a great timeout. Shout out to the Warriors world, Discord fam. Absolutely. And also Steph Better. Um, (laughs) I added that one, but another listener tweeted that. Um, Michelle also writes, I just want to say... That the Warriors are very good for a marriage. No matter how grouchy you are at the beginning of the game, you are most always hugging and screaming with joy at the end. Go <laughs> Warriors! I I think that's pretty much I think that's pretty much right. Um, we just wanted to say uh, this is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information on how to support KQED, go to KQED. Dot org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. All right, let's go back to the phones. We need to talk a little bit about how this series is going to go. Uh, Michael in Belmont, welcome to the show.
5: Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, first of all, just back on your comment about Steve Kerr, he makes me so proud to be oh, from yeah. the Bay Area. He's just the, the very best. And my superstition is that uh, I can't – it seems like if I don't watch the beginning of the, of the game, the Warriors are more likely to win. So, <laughs> Ann, do, do you think that the, the Warriors are more likely to take Game 3 or Game 4 in Boston if the series is going to go 7?
3: Because you're trying to decide which game you can start at the beginning. So you you're like, the one we're going to exactly. lose, that's the one you'll start. I see. I like that. Yeah. What um, do you think, Ann? <laughs>
2: You know, I, it's very hard to say. I, I do think that the Warriors will split because they are really good on the road. Um, I mean, if I was guessing, I would probably say, you know, this is going to be a, it's a continued chess match. And I think Boston will come back and fight them really hard and be energized by their home crowd. And then the Warriors will go back to the drawing board and, and figure things out in game four. So I think they'll probably, if they were going to, lose one I would guess game three they'd lose and then come back and win game four but and come back to the bay uh, split two two but again don't hold me to it I'm not a, I don't have the insights that you crazy superstitious people do I'm just a journalist
3: <laughs> you mean our our connection to the divine that's really uh <laughs> what that's what that's about um you know we have a, gr- a great uh well let's take one more call and then we we'll, we have so many good comments coming in um Daniel in Windsor. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi. I was just uh, thinking back when I had a friend that had season tickets. They were really cheap at the time, uh, early 2000s. And the goal of going to the game wasn't to see them win. It it was if the Warriors hit 100 points, everybody got a coupon for a free Taco Bell Chalupa. (laughs)
3: Definitely a different time. Definitely a different time. Um, that's amazing, uh, Daniel. What's your uh, prediction on the series? I'm hoping for uh, five. Yeah, Warriors and five. I, I'm I'm trying to build momentum for Warriors and five, uh, winning two. I mean, to be fair, and the the Celtics have lost a lot on their home floor during the playoffs. That's one reason they have. Why, Anne, yeah.
2: The Celtics have been a really erratic team. I mean. They've, they've, um, been resilient. You know, they won a seven game series against Milwaukee. First, they swept the nets, um, which was kind of stunning. I don't think anyone thought they were going to sweep them. And then they, they beat Milwaukee in seven and they beat, um, Miami in seven. And both of those, no, the Miami game seven was in Miami. Milwaukee game seven was, was in Boston. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're really good on the road. They're eight and two on the road in the playoffs. Um, uh, they're a little more erratic at home than probably they would like, but, um, you know, I, I, am excited cause I never have been to a basketball game in Boston. Um, I never went to the old Boston garden. I haven't been to the new place. Um, it's just going to be iconic, you know, to see those banners in the rafters and, you know, the names, the jerseys hung and everything. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about what the environment is going to be like.
3: I want you to know you can only be excited by the Bill Russell jersey because he's a Bay Area product. Just
2: saying. <laughs> um, I'm a basketball <laughs> fan. I I grew up watching Showtime and Larry yeah. going at it. You know, Michael's clothesline on Rambus. I I'm I'm excited to see all of it.
3: I hear, yeah, I hear. You. Um, we have a couple great uh, other superstitions. Uh, Isabel writes, I paint my toenails, but not my fingernails, Warriors blue for the NBA playoffs. Otherwise, I paint them Giants orange in the baseball season and 49ers red during the football season. I've been doing this since the Giants 2010 championship. What a decade for Bay Area sports. I'm a lifelong fan, so the last decade feels like a good reward for so many years in the cellar. Another listener tweets, Ritual that works without fail. I post up that everything's going terribly and that they're totally going to lose the game and then they win by like 20 points. (laughs) Um, Thank you again for your service uh, to both of those uh, listeners. Um, We have a great last comment here. Mike writes, among the many subtle elements contributing to the Warriors league best team chemistry, Wiggins low key decision to finally get vaxxed result chemistry maintained compared to Kyrie Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets a bigger talent but also a more complex ego result headaches complexity instead of wins Myers Kerr Steph all key elements have egos in check simple what do you think in
2: well yeah that's kind of a little bit what I was alluding to when I said that they're you know they're they are who they are the, you know there's not a lot of pretense about them um considering how wildly famous they are um you know, Steve and Steph set the tone for that, and and I agree that you know the Wiggins thing that looked like it could derail you know one of these you know what might have been one of Steph's last best chances to to you know get to the playoffs and and have a championship run, and and that was I mean I wrote that like I thought Wiggins you know was had could had could have blown the whole thing up, and yet he went ahead and and got the vax and it wasn't an issue, and and you're right Kyrie changed the whole dynamic for the Nets, um, which could have been a really strong team. So yeah, there's there's a, definitely a positive vibe around this team and around the culture
3: of the team. Yeah. One listener writes, I love this team and have for a long time. And one thing I really love about them is that their values can be seen off the court too. Steve Kerr's commentary on gun control made people wake up and listen. That is the kind of leadership he brings to the team and his moral compass and basketball smarts make all the difference. We've been talking about the Warriors with San Francisco Chronicle sports columnist Ann Killian. Thank you for joining us this hour. Thanks for having me. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with
0: Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio,